This is the 400th episode of More Than a Few Words. That's a lot of great conversations. And so, today, instead of having a new guest, I thought it would be fun to introduce you to some of my favorite guests from across the years. The show's had lots of different forms and styles over the years, and we haven't always had the best recording equipment, but I think you'll really enjoy meeting some of my old friends. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to another episode of More Than A Few Words, a marketing conversation for business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, and this is your host, Lorraine Ball. This week, we're celebrating our 400th episode with a look back at some of my favorite episodes. While we've had a lot of interesting episodes and a lot of popular ones, there is one episode that has had literally 10 times as many downloads as any other episode. And it was a conversation that I had with Allison Carter back in 2013 about company position statements. We're going to talk about something that I think a lot of people think is sort of a a marketing buzzword, Mm -hmm. and that's your brand position. Well, I mean, those are long, unwieldy statements that you put on like a poster with some soaring eagles, right? Actually, no. But I like the soaring eagles. All right, I'll get you soaring eagles. But a position statement really is more of a guideline for your marketing team and your organization in terms of what you want to mean to your customers. Just give me, just give me an example so I can picture this. My favorite position statement is the Ritz-Carlton Hotels. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen. Now, I think theirs is incredibly elegant. It's only five words, and, and your position statement doesn't have to be that short. Or seven? Seven. seven. Sorry. Okay. I was counting on my fingers over here. Yes, yeah. Okay, but it's, it's very, very short. But in that statement, what they do is they define who their customers are, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. It defines a level of service, a way that their employees are supposed to interact. A hiring philosophy. There is a polite elegance Mm -hmm. and in the middle of it there's no discussion about comfortable night stay or rest. It's all about service. So basically a position statement tells you who your customers are and what at the most basic level you provide to them. Really needs to go just a smidge further a battle for your customer's mind. It was really about what they thought about you and how they thought about you in relationship to other people who provided that service. That's where the term position comes from. So it's plotting, like on a map, you're placing your position in the market. You're plotting your GPS coordinates. Absolutely. And so in that instance, in order to do a good position statement, you've got to know what those coordinates are. Over the years, some of my conversations have been very serious and others a little silly. But even in the silly ones, there are some great lessons. Like this conversation with Jay Mattingly about, well, Ninja Turtles. The Ninja Turtles were four turtles living in New York and their names were Leonardo, Raphael, Michelangelo, and Donatello. And these turtles were life-size. They had had some magic potion dropped on them, and they were crime fighters. What was interesting about the turtles is they each had their own unique personality. And we were talking about the turtles in a very interesting context. 
We're working right now with Hazel Walker and looking at disc profiles, and Jay had a revelation that the turtles actually exemplify the personalities we're talking about. Jay, how do they match up? We'll start with the D, which is the director, somebody who uh, makes quick decisions and isn't afraid to make the tough decisions. When I thought about a D personality, the first name that sprung up was Raphael. He's not afraid to make the quick decisions, but he can also be a little bit quick-tempered. So there's a good and a bad side to every disc personality. When I think of the Turtles, certainly the most fun-loving is Michelangelo. What would you say Michelangelo's disc profile is? Easily, Michelangelo's a high eye, a bit like myself. He wants the group to have a great time, and as long as everybody's having fun, he doesn't care what they're doing. Uh, when I think of Donatello, I instantly think of the C personality. Donatello is constantly concerned with details, and he's the scientist of the group. He's the critical thinker and is always the one that weighs information before making decisions. And the fourth turtle is really the leader of the group, Leonardo, but he's not a classically strong leader. What personality do you think he represents? I think naturally Leonardo represents the S because he cares more about the group than himself. However, I think he adapts his behavior to be a strong D which means that he takes the reins of leadership, however reluctantly, so that he can lead the Turtles. I know that this seems like a bit of a stretch for business owners, but I really think that there was some good points here, and I think I might have to go back and revisit some of my cartoons to see the personalities in play. How do you see some of these characteristics playing out in real businesses like, oh, Round Peck? I think that this illustrates that it's important to have a team with members with different personalities. Those personalities work together to form a whole that's greater than the sum of its parts. The turtles need each of those personalities just like we do. From personality profiles, we're going to jump to sales tips. And I'm going to introduce you to one of our most frequent guests, my sales coach, Matt Nettleton. This excerpt is from our very first conversation way back in 2010. Yeah, one of the things that uh, most small businesses really don't understand is that there are two different customers that they're talking to. Uh, one is a customer who's what they work with. It's kind of how they make their money. It's how they pay their bills. As a small business owner, you got to make payroll, and there are a lot of customers you do business with for nothing other than to make payroll. The other type of customer is their ideal client, the client that helps them grow, that helps them expand their business in the right direction, that builds a revenue stream that they can move forward with. That's their ideal client. Understanding the difference between an acceptable client and an ideal client really steers your marketing plan, steers your sales plan. It controls the way you build your and grow your business. So if I'm a small business owner and I'm trying to make that transition from my average customer to my ideal customer, what should I do first? Well, the first thing you have to do is figure out what your ideal customer looks like demographically, stuff you can measure. It might be revenue, employee count, geographic location. It could be an industry, an SIC code type of deal. What you have to figure out is what do they look like from the outside. The second thing that you have to figure out is what psychographic qualifications do you want them to have so that you can, you can step back and say, I know what they are, now I need to know what they think. Do they outsource marketing? Do they have a long-term relationship? Do they switch marketing agencies every six months when they can't pay their marketing bill? Do they? What are you looking for? When I find that, do I? How do I change how I sell to get more ideal instead of more average? Well, first, it's it's not when you find that. What do I change? It's what do I change in order to find it? <laughs> 
And so start to start to think about what you're asking your clients for early in the sales process. You know, for a lot of marketing companies, for a lot of companies, what they ask for is, can we sit down so I can quote your business? Mm-hmm. It's the worst thing that you could possibly <laughs> ever ask for because every business owner is going to say, yeah, sure, go ahead, give me your data, give me your pricing, let me shop you against my current guy. You pay the price for these, I'll get the extra profits. It doesn't make any sense. So what we try to get our clients to do, including you, Lorraine, is get them to think about what they're asking for, ask for better things from their clients, and that way they'll have improved early steps in the process, it makes the later steps easier. In 2014, I had a conversation with Jared Jewett about the onslaught of content. It seemed overwhelming the amount of information that was being pumped into the internet on a daily basis. The funny thing is that there's even more content today and this conversation is as relevant as it was the day we recorded it. That is essentially one web page for every 10 people on the planet. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's only going to grow from there, right? Not every one of those websites is actually active, but even if it's only a quarter of them, that is still just a ton of content available each and every day for every human being. Yeah, that's more content than you really could ever uh, consume. Uh, How do you compete? That's really the challenge for an individual business that's blogging or trying to get noticed, running into the avalanche and trying to go, hey, my little snowflake is perfect, you're going to get crushed. There are so many ways to get drowned out or to just be another uh, sheep in the flock. What you need to do is accept the fact that there is a lot of content out there and focus on a few things. And the first thing is, you got to write well. Robots are getting good enough to kind of fake the written word. It was bad enough when companies were hiring bloggers overseas and the content came back and it was sort of stiff and stilted and never sounded quite human. But now you can go one step further and essentially throw a couple of keywords into a content generator and out comes a blog post. That's scary. But it's not good. Marketing position statements, finding your ideal client, teenage mutant, ninja turtles, and robot text. Over the years, we've had a little bit of everything. And as we look forward to the next 400 episodes, I can promise you there'll be that same random assortment and great conversations every single week. Look for MTFW wherever you listen to podcasts. If you've enjoyed today's program and would like to tap into more of our digital resources, be sure to sign up for a preview of our new resource library at digitaltoolboxin.com. This has been another episode of More Than A Few Words. Thanks for listening.